We're workplace caregiver advocates, and we provide practical and inspirational training for working caregivers through the companies they work for. I'm Debbie Howard, and I'm a caregiver advocate, a market researcher, and a yoga enthusiast. I'm Jonathan Brody. I'm a gerontologist who has worked in global healthcare for over 20 years, launching both pharmaceuticals and devices for adults, as well as being a caregiver for my family as well. I'm Tanya Krim, market researcher, gerontologist, caregiver long distance, because my parents are in London. I'm also a coffee and chocolate lover. Our mission at Caregiver Camps podcast is to expand the boundaries of thinking around where and how companies can support their caregiving employees. We hope you enjoy this episode today. Hi, I'm Jonathan Brody, your host for this episode of Corporate Caregiver Camp Podcast. I'm here today with our guest, Linda McDougall, author of The Spirit Method of Massage for Seniors. And she is here talking with us today about not only massage as therapeutic aid for seniors, but also what caregivers should be seeing and doing better. I think that is a perfect topic for National Caregiver Month. Welcome, Linda. Thank you, John. Excellent. So before we get started, can you tell us a little about yourself and your company? Well, I'm a senior myself. I'm 73. And I love working. So I don't think you'll see me drop off of that anytime soon. But uh, I've had my company since about 2005, I believe. So It's McDougall Consulting for Disabilities because a lot of my life I spent working with special needs, uh, children and adults. And as I aged, I transferred that into working with our senior population. That's wonderful. And at at the end of this, uh, our dear listeners, uh, you'll have links to uh, Linda's website and a little bit more about her company. So uh, I I think we should just jump right in. Does that sound good to you? Sounds great. Excellent. So in in honor of National Caregivers Month, uh, and I know a lot of the things you do are for professional caregivers, but also are equally poignant for non-paid caregivers. What do you think the important things caregivers might be missing or not doing that are so critical for the care recipient? What are you seeing out there right now? Well, the first thing for either group is that before they get into the caregiving mode entirely, that they actually focus on the client or the loved one and ask them, how are they feeling? If they have any pain, if they have something, a need, right then or that they can foresee in the very near future so that they can actually kind of plan for that care that day and what that person's going to need and actually take a little trip around the house and make sure that everything is off the floors that somebody might trip on things like that in case they're a walking individual actually look at the individual take an assessment, a quick visual assessment of the person. If they're in a wheelchair, are they leaning to one side? Do they need support to be upright? There are all sorts of wheelchair accessories to keep people safe in wheelchairs and to keep people upright in wheelchairs. In case you don't understand why it's important that they're upright, 
It's just like you told your kids when you were raising them, stand up straight. All that is because you want the lungs to work properly. You want the proper space for all your organs. You don't want that all crowded. All the seniors who are hunched over are compromising heart, lungs, and all the organs. That's really interesting. So you should always be doing sort of a, an everyday kind of check-in to see what's going on with them. Do you have any things that you would sort of say are more pre-planned, long-standing things that should always be a rule of thumb? Can you give me an example of what you're talking about? So sure. I mean, obviously looking at the care recipient and seeing how they are and comparing them today to yesterday and looking around the home to see if things have changed or are different. That's one thing. Are there some kinds of things a caregiver should be looking for as a whole, whether it's health safety, the ergonomics? I think when you and I talked earlier in the week, you told me a beautiful story that I'll let you tell again in one second about the importance of ergonomics and looking for those kinds of things. Can you give us that example? And we'll talk a little bit about that. I take it we we're talking about the Parkinson's client I was explaining to you about. I had a gentleman who was probably well over six feet and he had Parkinson's and he was in a very small recliner. And this gentleman loved to read. He had been a uh, biblical scholar and things like that in his life. So he read a lot of biblical stuff as he would sit in his home. Mm -hmm. But the chair was real low and way too small for him. So these knees of his came way up and then he would have to lean to get under the lamp that was beside him in order to read. It wasn't a standing lamp over him that would just illuminate the pages. He had to twist himself and contort himself into a place where he could read. And of course that does permanent damage to the body. So that's, like I said, you want to be upright for your activities. You don't want to have to contort yourself into some unnatural position just to do what you're supposed to be doing. Sure. Uh, it, can, it does permanent damage to the body over time. So basically the things that are ergonomically related to the person and their condition and their state that they're currently in and might be in in the future is, is one probable example of taking a more holistic look versus a daily look. Yes. And really, I don't see seniors using the accessories for wheelchairs that my special needs clients had every day. I don't see simple things like seatbelts for people who slide out of wheelchairs. There are simple things and there are things that will help lift people out of chairs. Mm -hmm. there, there are many products that people don't seem to know or don't seem to explore for the seniors and for working with seniors. Well, that's, that's fabulous. And for our listeners, you know, I look forward to hopefully getting a list of those places that are good resources uh, to turn to so we can help our listeners, you know, find some of those seatbelts and other items that aid the care recipient in, in the long term and in the short term. What about nutrition? Do you have any thoughts about long term plan nutrition monitoring or anything like that? Or is it really day to day? I have several things on that. First of all, 
I am a real fan of organic and I'm a fan of organic because if you think about conventional produce, conventional fruits and vegetables, they get sprayed and they get sprayed year after year after year. So the ground soaks up that barrage of chemicals. And you may think that just cleaning the outside of this item is going to be great, but it's not because you have to realize that the roots are sucking all that poison back up and into the fruit or vegetables themselves. Right. So right. you're not doing anything but toxifying your body. That absolutely makes sense. And considering that most care recipients have at least one condition, but so many also have co-competent conditions and are on so many different medications, it really is sort of a, an unknown territory of what in non-organic foods is that it's being sucked into the ground and put into the food might interact not only with their bodies if they were healthy, but also with the medications they're taking and their condition. A lot of those medications are because they've sucked up chemicals all their lives. <laughs> that is That equally is true. I grew up in New York City at the height of when the air and the environment was the absolute worst. And then I'd go home to an apartment where my parents smoked three packs a day. So you could barely see the back wall. So who knows why I have my own chronic cough. But other than that, that certainly makes sense. So when we think about the small things that a caregiver can do, and especially a working caregiver, non-professional working caregiver, who has less time because they have a full-time job and probably have a family and might be even a sandwich caregiver, which doesn't mean they're taking care of a, a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, but have someone young at one end, someone either senior or disabled on the other that they're all taking care of. Are there some like miniature checklist that you think is at least a mandatory baseline that caregivers should always have? This is going to be a somewhat off topic, but in the same vein, you have to realize that we as seniors lose our ability to digest as well and to utilize things as well that we take in. So one of the things I always recommend is to make sure that at every meal, if, if there's a way to do it, put in some kind of vinegar or some kind of lemon juice so that they get some of that acid back so that they can digest and break down some of what they're taking in. And they need to be taking in, again, the best because they utilize it the worst of their lives. That makes absolute sense. The only thing, only because I worked on bisphosphonates for aging bones, and there are other drugs in certain classes where citric and acidics uh, should be at least spaced out well from the taking of the medication. So make sure everyone out there, make sure that they're looking at all the labels before they add lemon juice or vinegar. But it's a great add-on thought there, Linda. Thank you so much for that one. Oh, they just really need to do the best they can. Another thing that is real important that if you have a person who actually can walk and isn't stuck in a wheelchair or something, mm -hmm. you want to make sure that their feet are properly supported. These seniors and slippers with the most mangled, horrific feet you've ever seen on almost every day that I work because... They haven't learned to take care of their feet and the fungus, for one thing, nail fungus, that's all over the place. That can be taken care of, by the way, if you bathe your feet in 
Dr. Bonner's eucalyptus soap or something like that on a daily basis for, it's going to take a while. It's not going to go right. away over by any means, but six months or so. Okay. I did it for myself. It's gone. It's been gone for years, but it's these little things. Feet need to be supported so that the rest of the body can support and bones, by the way. Yes. Absolutely. Be sure Seniors get what they need for their bones, which is not just calcium. Mm -mm. Doctors shove calcium down you, and that's wonderful, but it needs to be a whole range of minerals. And strontium is what doctors use for bone cancer clients, and it's strictly a mineral, and it can be added in with other minerals to help your seniors with their bones. Bones rebuild every seven years. Mm -hmm. so that you can help rebuild your bones. I've done that for myself as well. Mm -hmm. So you just need to make sure that the bones are supported. Otherwise, they're going to start that rounding as the bones collapse because they collapse from the inside and they start rounding. Mm -hmm. And the rounding makes them more prone to fall because they now have the weight forward. Also, if they're using a walker or a cane, Please make sure it fits them. I have seen more walkers and canes that were ill-suited for the person or the person was drastically misusing them. Mm -hmm. So that needs to be corrected too because that can do permanent damage. I had a six-foot-tall woman client one time and I went to her apartment as she was just coming in from shopping and she was leaning over this little tiny aluminum walker and she said, oh, I just bought this. And I'm going, no. <laughs> she was so bent over this thing. It was at its height, at its full height. It only supported somebody of my height, which is five foot four. Got it. So she, she was at an angle. So and that's not meant to do. No, of course not. And those are great catches. So you see a lot of customers or, or care recipients that either have professional care or in an assisted living facility and so forth. Are you seeing that the staff is also missing a lot of these things, whether they're, you know, someone who's hired to be, you know, by somebody to be in a home or is just being taken care of by a, a uh, you know, a, a care concierge remotely? That they're missing so many things because if they know the person, then they just see the same thing every day, pretty much. But, you know, it's, I call it blind-eyed care. You've gotten so used to them that you don't see what needs to be done anymore. Mm -hmm. You really need to check out how they're walking, how upright they are, all these things we've talked about. They've got to be supported. You've got to see if they're leaning or if they're crunching forward and do what you can. Now, one of the things you can do is go to the doctor, have the doctor write a prescription for some of these items so that Medicare, Medicaid, whatever you've got will help you pay for them. But always check with Medicare and Medicaid that you have to make sure that a doctor's prescription will help you pay for these things that you want. That's excellent advice. How so do you do that? <laughs> Yeah, it, it is. We, we also see the same thing of, uh, you know, certainly falling into that level of comfort of care that you miss the daily changes and, and things that you should be watching for and all those kinds of things. 
I bet it's even much harder when you have a care concierge who's remote and online. They can't really see what is going on on a micro level. And it really is a lot of the micro level small stuff that's going to make the difference between health or even survival for these care recipients. So let's talk a little bit about massage and massage therapy for seniors. And at the end, we'll also have a link that you can, in, in a way that you can get a hold of Linda's book. So tell us about what inspired you to write about, you know, massage and what you've been seeing. I know we don't have a lot of time, but certainly, you know, give us some of the highlights of what massage can do for both certainly the care recipient, but maybe even the caregiver. I have done both the care recipients and the caregivers and even some family members. So, yeah, well, just the fact that I was seeing the things I was seeing not being addressed drove me nuts. So that's one of the reasons I started writing the book. And I also had been trying to recruit people to work under me and go to retirement homes. And I was finding very few, if any, therapists that knew much about dealing with the seniors. It's not a commonly taught thing, which is odd because it should be. Uh, There's more of us now around than anybody else. Mm-hmm. Nobody thought that far. They had a real hard time thinking far for us. But so I really thought that something very easily assimilated and easily written to span everybody who's a caregiver, management on down, you know, everybody, this is an easy to read book. It's put into little tiny chopped chapters so that you can quickly read one chapter one little piece of a chapter and walk away if you have to and come back to it later. But I really didn't see people around who knew that much about working with seniors. They didn't understand seniors. I think that was another thing mm-hmm. that really got me. People don't understand how a disability as you age can really change your life, who you see yourself as what you can do versus what you need or want to do. I fell a year ago, a little over a year ago now, and damaged my right eye. That's been a journey all in and of itself. I can still do things, but I see double. I see jagged. (laughs) I see all sorts of things out of this eye. (laughs) Right. So uh, the thing about massage and obviously care recipients, and let's just assume that they are 60 plus in age, you know, there's obviously the musculature and the muscles are different. The skin is thinner and more sensitive in certain areas and all those kinds of things. So what should a, someone who's giving the massage be a little bit more aware of versus a general massage therapist when you're giving this kind of massage to a a senior? Well, like you said, the skin is thinner. It isn't on everybody. I mean, it isn't bad on everybody, but you do need to know that it's also much drier in some cases. I found that CBD oil really helped when I get really itchy with my skin. That seemed to take that away and nothing else did. You could apply tons of stuff on there and it just never worked. And I've been hired by seniors because caregivers wouldn't put anything on their backs. Mm Mm-hmm. And I've been hired simply to put oil on. I said, well, you're going to get a massage anyway. Then because that's what I do. But they couldn't get anybody to do that for them in the homes. So does the massage therapy, 
I mean, is your technique different when you're laying on the hands? What would you say you would do differently for a senior? Obviously their condition can, can vary greatly. So with someone with, you know, but let's assume there's no such thing as average, but just for this case, some of the basics of, is it more gentle? Is it more repetitive? Give us some of the massage 101.1. Massage and the way I do it is it's much more local instead of having long strokes, because quite frankly, we can have blood clots that we could lose. So you want to be much more local so that you don't push them out of the area. I find one of the things you have to understand about muscles as we age is because we have excess estrogen, both, both men and women at that time, estrogen helps build inflammation and inflammation builds scar tissue. So our muscles, our organs, everything is filling with scar tissue. If nothing else kills us, scar tissue will. So you're working with much tighter muscles because they, any tears and everything you do provides for little micro tears in the muscles. Everything now is building back scar tissue rather than muscle tissue. Mm -hmm. Local massage does little breakups. If I were doing a leg or something, sometimes I will go underneath the leg and just put pressure, let the leg put the pressure on my fingers. And I will go down and try to get some of the knots out and get use that for pressure points to help loosen up some of the tendons or attachments. I have a client now that she can't totally put down one of her legs. And so that's one of the things I do, but she sits in a wheelchair all day. That's another thing. People have some real odd ideas about what we can do as massage therapists. They think we can come in once a week and they're gonna be cured. And right. it's called unrealistic expectations. <laughs> Does the time between massages vary depending on the person or is there a, a base time that you really wouldn't want to exceed? So in other words, if it's, you know, longer than two weeks, it's always safe. But I mean, it's, you'd recommend it once a week, once every 10 days. It depends on the person, the condition. You don't want to do it day after day necessarily, but every other day possibly. I mean, if somebody could afford that, you could do that. It depends entirely on the person. And unfortunately, it's often because of the wallet. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to the caregiver, not the care recipient, I mean, do you also recommend massage for them? And are there reasons why? Oh, amen. I feel so sorry for caregivers. The ones in, in institutions, in the facilities, I've seen because they have to lift so much, the muscles of their shoulders are just huge because they're constantly lifting and they also hurt their backs a lot. There are injuries that happen because instead of using like a Hoyer lift or things like that, a lot of the institutions are simply using their people. Mm -hmm. People need help with some of that. That absolutely makes sense. And what about non-paid caregivers? I mean, would you, I'm sure you recommend massage for them because it's got to be equally beneficial. But are there ways they have access to resources that could steer them towards massage therapists? Or what would you say for the working caregiver who's a non-paid professional? There are going to be local therapists. I would go to one of the 
organizations, either ABMP or AMTA's websites, and they will have their members listed with their specialties mm -hmm. so that you find if there's somebody who does caregivers or somebody who works with seniors or whatever and the kinds of massage they may do. And it is more than, than uh, physiological. It's also the mental benefits. Oh, yeah. Well, it relaxes people. I mean, that's I'll come up behind a worker and just put my hands on them and just start. And they, you could just see them. Oh, <laughs> they just. Yeah. Maybe some companies should be adding, uh, you know, massage therapists that are available, you know, obviously maybe partially cover and pay for massage yes. therapists that are available for the caregivers that are working in their organizations. But, I think uh, that would be marvelous. I've been paid by a couple of companies once or twice, maybe three times, but that's about it. Right. But not on a super scale where a whole corporation takes on that this is an initiative. Maybe that's something we'll work for for next National Caregivers Month, or I also think there's a National Caregivers Day coming up in April. So uh, we'll try to get that message out there uh, then as well. But we're, we're sort of coming to a close. Is there any last thoughts you'd want to share about either your book or about if there was just one thing a caregiver should take a look at? Is it that take that daily look and look for change? Do they keep a list? Tell us what your closing thought might be. Well, I'm going to go to something I didn't have time for so far, and the, it's the medications. And you need to know that even over-the-counter medications suck nutrients from the body. And each medication you add on sucks different ones and more of the same. So you really need to know how to replace those and replace them so that the person can get the most. And with seniors, that's usually liquids or powders. That's, that's what best. Or sprays, intraoral sprays too. So. Oh, I've never heard of those intraoral sprays. Yep, I've got a whole. I've got. I represent several companies, and one of them is all sprays. Excellent. So there will be links for our listeners in the podcast link page. So uh, feel free to put up any of those companies that you feel are excellent. You know, we at Caregiver Camps do not endorse or promote any other companies so we can remain completely bias-free for our listeners. But your recommendations are always welcome on your podcast. So listeners, please look for, out for that. And I too appreciate the complexities of both what experienced caregivers and especially non-paid ones have to do. And, you know, as it relates to their personal lives and their caregiving responsibilities. And it's really been a pleasure and enjoyable talk with you today and also learning how to understand what to look for, and as well as the importance of massage for both the care recipient and the caregiver, which, which I think is a fabulous idea. As a caregiver myself, massage sounds absolutely fantastic. So I wanted to thank you so much for being here. I appreciate all the wisdom and experience that you've gathered over 73 years of, of an amazing life, and really want to thank you for what you're doing in the caregiving landscape. You're welcome. I love working with caregivers and my seniors. Excellent. Once again, this is John Brody for Caregiver Camps Podcasts. We want you to know that together we've got this. To read further about caregiver camp programs, please visit caregivercamps.com 
backslash caregiver-camps. Linda, again, thank you so much and have a great week. Thank you very much. You do the same. Thanks so much for joining us today. This is Debbie Howard. This is Tanya Krim. And I'm Jonathan Brody. We are the hosts of Caregiver Camps podcast. Please feel free to share our podcast and consider joining us for new perspectives in creating more productive, caregiver-friendly workplaces. Come visit us at caregivercamps.com to learn more about how we can help your company. Thanks so much for listening. See you next time at Caregiver Camps Podcast.